Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Donald Trump is fleeing New York because they want to look at his taxes. So he's going to bankruptcy-proof Florida. You may not know about this little scam, but uh, it's used by many very wealthy people. It's, uh, it has maintained high property values in Florida. Texas does the same thing, I believe. And that is that the state passed a law and a long time ago, I think it was back in the 50s, that says that if you declare bankruptcy in the state, you can keep your home. Now, most states don't have this law. If you declare bankruptcy and you have a house, you have to give up your house. You have to give up basically everything. The only things that you can't discharge in bankruptcy are your taxes and your student loans. Well, that's on the liability side. They stay with you. But you have to sell your home to pay off everything else. You have to sell your car. You have to sell everything you own. But in Florida, you don't have to sell your home. So what rich people do is they buy a major house in Florida. In fact, there was a big scandal about this maybe three or four years ago. We talked about it on this program at the time, where there was some rich guy. He knew that he was in trouble and his company was going down in flames. And so he moved to Florida and bought like a 30 or $40 million house and moved into it so he could say, this is my residence, and declared Florida residency. And then he declared bankruptcy. And, you know, wiped out a bunch of people that he owed money to. And my recollection is that there were small businesses and contractors. A whole lot of people got screwed really badly, and in addition to his banks and credit cards and everybody else. But he got to keep that 30 or $40 million home. And then after the bankruptcy was all over, he sold that home, moved into a mere $1 million home, which still ain't bad digs, and had $30, $40 million left over in the bank. Trump right now is trying to sell his Washington, D.C. hotel for $500 million. Good luck with that. And although, you know, maybe he'll find a buyer. Who knows? But that, to me, is evidence that he is desperately in need of cash. He has been trying to squeeze cash out of everything. He's squeezing cash out of the U.S. Air Force with their stops in Tunbury. He's trying to squeeze cash out of of the G7 with his proposed Doral thing. He had to walk that back because Republicans started freaking out about it. But if they had stayed behind him, you can bet he would have done it. He's squeezing cash out of his rallies. They're selling, uh, you know, made in China merchandise that says make America great again. I mean, he's got all these scams to make money, which is all he's done his whole entire life. And now another scam. He's going to bankruptcy proof Florida. And Andrew Cuomo, the uh, governor of of, uh, New York State, says, uh, good riddance. He never paid taxes here anyway. Yeah, good. By the way, it's Anything Goes Friday, so whatever you want to talk about, you know, just give us a shout and and we'll pick it up. I got an email just a little while ago from Elizabeth Warren. And not that I'm special. I mean, me and, and probably two or three million people who have made small donations to her campaign. I've made donations of between five and a hundred dollars to half a dozen of the Democratic candidates that I want to follow. It's basically the way that you follow a candidate. My five dollar donation to Donald Trump back in 2016 has been paying off really well. I still get his emails every single day. And, uh, you know, he's begging for money like there's no tomorrow. It's it's pretty mind boggling. But here's what Elizabeth Warren says. She says, Tom, we need a health care system that reflects our values. No American should ever die or go bankrupt because of health care costs, and no for-profit insurance company should be able to stop any American from getting the care they need. Health care is a human right, and that's why I'm fighting for Medicare for all. 
It's the only plan that gives everyone in America full coverage with the freedom to see any provider with no premiums, co-pays, or deductibles, no restrictions, no surprises, and no one going broke because they get sick. And then she points out that she's releasing her plan for Medicare for All, which she did. It's being fact-checked and talked about all over the media. She says, my plan won't raise middle-class taxes by one penny. In fact, my plan puts $11 trillion back in the pockets of American families by virtually eliminating their current premiums, deductibles, and co-pays. That's bigger than any tax cut in American history. To cover the cost, she says, we start by taking the money that employers are currently paying in the form of premiums to private insurance companies and have them pay it to Medicare itself instead. I'm happy with that, right? I'm providing, you know, I pay for my health care. I mean, my business, this little business, the Tom Hartman program, it pays for my health care. And Louisa, she works on the show. It pays for Sean's health care. It pays for Nate's health care. You know, our full-time employees are all covered by our health care plan. So I'm, I'm already paying that as a small business, as an employer. And if, if that money needs to be redirected to Medicare, that's fine with me. In fact, I, I'd be very happy with that, particularly if it gets rid of copays, deductibles, and all that kind of crap that you know uh, all of us are having to deal with. She goes on to say, we make up the difference with targeted spending cuts, new taxes on giant corporations, Wall Street, and the richest 1%, and cracking down on tax evasion and fraud. And by the way, that tax evasion and fraud thing, that's not a small thing because of things that George W. Bush did and Donald Trump has done. Both of those presidents reduced funding for the Internal Revenue Service. So the IRS, over the last 20 years or so, has laid off thousands of auditors. And they're left now to the point where they have so few people able to do audits and the, and, and, you know, and the necessity of doing some minimum threshold number of audits that they've pretty much stopped auditing really rich people because it's so complex. I mean, it can take six months, a year, maybe even two years to fully audit the books of somebody like Donald Trump, you know, with 800 or 600 shell companies and front companies and phony baloney companies and a few real companies and, you know, all moving money back and forth in order to minimize taxes. It's just insanely complex. And of course, billionaires can afford to pay, f you know, for CPAs to do this kind of stuff. The IRS no longer can. And so there, you know, there's an estimated $2 billion a year in tax fraud going on. And it may, be, it, may, it may be higher than that. It may be hundreds of billions of dollars. Nobody knows for sure. So then she says, Tom, see it for yourself. Try our new calculator to see our plan for Medicare for All would mean to you. And there's a, there's a calculator on our ElizabethWarren.com website where you can actually plug that in. And then she tells a story about her dad's heart attack and how her family kind of went off the, off the rails and she said, I spent my career studying why hardworking middle-class families were going broke. For years, my research partners and I traveled across the country from bankruptcy courtroom to bankruptcy courtroom, talking directly with people who'd seen their lives turned upside down. And one of the biggest reasons for bankruptcy that we found? Medical problems. In 2007, my research found that the number one reason families were going broke was health care. And three-quarters of those who declared bankruptcy after an illness were people who already had health insurance. Between 2013 and 2016, the number one reason families went broke was still because of health care, even though 91.2% of Americans had health insurance in 2016. Families are getting crushed by health costs. But do you know who's doing great? Private health insurance companies. They're sucking billions of dollars in profits out of the system. Under Medicare for All, we'll rein in the corruption, waste, inefficiency, and corporate profiteering in our health care system, and we can pay for it without any new taxes for middle-class families. Existing federal and state spending on health care stays about the same. Businesses spending on health care stays about the same. Payments just go to Medicare instead of private insurers. And yeah, big corporations, Wall Street, and the top 1% pay their fair share. God bless her. It is, it is just spectacular. And uh, I, I believe I mentioned this yesterday. <laughs> Donald Trump says he's going to do a new tax cut. This is a bribe, right? He's basically saying to the billionaires who own the Republican Party, the, the Republican Party in the 1980s 
because the Supreme Court had legalized it in the mid-1970s, the Republican Party basically put themselves up for sale to the highest bidder. And they were purchased by billionaires like the Koch brothers and the Bradley Foundation and the, and the Joe Coors and others. Uh, they, they, you know, Richard Mellon Scaife and his buddies. I mean, this is back in the 80s. They got purchased by all these guys after David Koch's unsuccessful run for vice president on the libertarian ticket in 1980. He just decided, screw that, I'm going to buy a political party. Right? And so the Republicans were purchased by these billionaires and by the corporations that made them rich, particularly the, the corporations that nobody liked, the ones who really needed help, the tobacco corporations, the oil corporations, the coal corporations, the chemical industry, the pesticide industry. They own the Republican Party right now. And they really benefited from Trump's trillion-dollar tax cut. And so Trump is now saying, and, and, and they're paying him back. I mean, this, this trillion and a half dollars from his tax cut last year just rained down on these people. I mean, it was like manna from heaven. And so, you know, that's kind of faded out. Corporations used a trillion dollars to buy back their own stocks, which is what's been driving the stock market up. It's not going up because businesses are developing new products or expanding their, their, their uh, you know, product line or anything like that. Stock market's going up because companies are buying back their own stock. Uh, over a trillion dollars worth of stock buybacks in the last two years. But that's slowed down dramatically now because the tax cut is, you know, wearing off, as it were, for big corporations. I mean, it's still there for billionaires. So now Trump is asking the Republican Party to come up with a new tax cut. It's his way of saying to the billionaires, the big corporations, keep supporting the Republicans, keep supporting me, help me get reelected, and I'll make sure that you're taken care of. I mean, in, in countries like the Philippines or Hungary or, you know, some of these other places, these oligarchies, essentially, average citizens just expect that the rich own the government and the government does what the rich want. I mean, you know, it's just, it's like, okay, yeah, of course. That's how things work. But in the United States, that was not, that's not how things are supposed to work. And it's not how things worked in the United States, by and large, up until the 1980s. And since 1981, since Ronald Reagan was sworn into office, this is all we've seen come out of the Republican Party, is corrupt, obeisance, if I'm saying and using that word correctly, to morbid wealth. The morbidly rich own the Republican Party. And that accounts for this whole partisan divide thing, too. This is the Tom Hartman Program. People say, why won't the Republicans participate with the Democrats in good legislation? Because they're owned by the billionaires who don't want that legislation. Welcome back. Tom Harbin here with you. And in the studio with me is our old buddy, Jeff Cohen, media critic, lecturer. You were on Fox News for five years. You were the producer of Phil Donahue's show back in the day on MSNBC. You're the founding director of the Park Center for Independent Media at Ithaca College, where you're an associate professor of journalism. Your most recent book, Cable News Confidential, My Misadventures in Corporate Media. You're the founder of Fairness and Accuracy in Reporting. Fair, your CV is larger than mine. Uh, Co-founder of RootsAction.org. And you've got a new movie out. Is the website uh, jeffcohen.com where people can no, find out about jeffcohen.org. .org, uh, excuse I've, me. Yeah. I'm doing a tour of Oregon with this movie. I'll be doing Q&As all over Oregon, starting with Portland on Sunday at Cinema 21. And then I'm going to Ashland, Eugene, Florence, Astoria. Yeah, I see you're in Eugene three times. Yeah, but they, I'm big in Eugene. But the movie is called The Corporate Coup d'Etat. It's directed by Fred Peabody. I was a co-producer. It talks about the 40 years. It's what you talk about every day, but we have 90 minutes of riveting interviews with victims of the corporate coup. So we're talking about the last 40 years of neoliberalism, the 40-year takeover of U.S. political institutions by big corporations. And we have some dynamic segments where we take Philip Martin's, one of the great African-American reporters at public radio. Mm. We send him to Ohio, Youngstown, to talk to former union workers, lifelong Democrats. 
Democrats mm -hmm. who voted for Obama twice, then voted for Bernie against Hillary in the 2016 primary, and then they flipped over and voted for Trump. Right. So I know some of those people. Yeah, for us, it's just fascinating. We, we're talking about the movie is how did we get to Trump? Right. And we show Trump as the symptom of the disease that you talk about every day called corporatism. And what we're saying, obviously, we want to get remove Trump as quickly as possible. But if we only remove Trump without addressing the corporate takeover of our political institutions, the economy, the media, then we're going to get a slicker, smarter Trump in four or eight years. Well, that's my biggest fear, frankly. Yeah, my no my biggest fear is that whether Trump gets reelected or not, that in eight years from now, four years from now, excuse right. me, in the 2024 election, and my guess is it's going to be Mitt Romney, that yeah. you're going to have somebody come along who has the friendly face, who seems moderate, who seems like a nice guy, who has a nice CV, everybody kind of likes him, and we will have friendly fascism. Yeah, I believe whoever the next Republican leader is, is going to have to be more populist than Romney. It's got to be someone who well, can Romney believe can reinvent himself. He, he'll have to. Yeah. I mean, Trump has shown the playbook. Yes. What our movie Corporate Coup shows is that when faced, there's so much despair and anger and and frankly, the middle class has been hollowed out across these Rust Belt states that Trump narrowly beat Hillary in. And the playbook for them now is that the Republican has to pose as the populist and characterize the Democrat as corporate status quo, go slow, yes, no. And that's my fear. Which that it, tragically about a third of the Democratic Party. No doubt. Had. No yeah. doubt. I mean, in the movie, we sort of suggest that the corporations control 99% of the Republican Party and approximately half of the Democratic Party. Right. One of the things we show in the movie is the great reporter from The Intercept, Lee Fong. We have he's him on... A dear friend. He's a brilliant he's guy. Tremendous. Young reporter. He's on Capitol Hill and he's confronting the lawmakers and lobbyists the same day that they vote to weaken the Dodd-Frank protections on Wall Street. And there were dozens of Democratic House members and senators. Two of them were running for president. John Delaney, the congressman from Maryland, voted with the Republicans and Trump to weaken Dodd-Frank. So did Michael Bennett, the senator from right. Colorado. So did Tim Kaine, Hillary Clinton's running mate. So it's great to see Lee Fong confronting people about the power of the lobbyists right when the banking lobby has won a major victory. We had John Delaney on the show, and his pitch was, I'm more progressive than Pete Buttigieg yeah. on Medicare I, for All. He is, on that one issue. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I mean, Buttigieg is not that progressive. He's figured out the yeah. progressive cells. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, he did make a, I heard that. Uh, I, I listen to your show a lot, Professor Hartman, and, and he did <laughs> make, Cohen. yeah, he did make the argument that his program is more progressive and more inclusive than Mayor Pete's or Biden. And he's right. Or Klobuchar. Yeah. And the most progressive, of course, is Warren and Sanders right. on including everyone, taxing the rich to pay for it all. But, I mean, the reason I'm so excited about this new documentary, and for those who don't live in Oregon, mm -hmm. we are releasing it to the masses in the middle of November. You'll be able to buy it on DVD anywhere. You'll be able to see video on demand on any platform. The movie, again, is called The Corporate Coup d'Etat. Right. And, and it features Cornell West, Chris Hedges, Matt Taibbi, Lee Fong, Maude Barlow from Canada, mm -hmm. a great yeah. critic of corporate-friendly trade deals, Sarah Jaffe, an expert on social movements, whether it's the Tea Party or Occupy Wall Street. But more important than our experts, and we've got some of the great ones, is talking to working-class people, black, white, and talking to them about the despair of witnessing a democracy sort of falling apart as the corporations take power, and what do you do when you're faced with that reality? Right. And, you know, we got rave reviews. We're coming the day after Halloween. The Hollywood Reporter reviewed a very positive review of our documentary, and they said, a horror film 
of the most realistic kind, which I think is a great description of what we tried to do. And obviously, when I go around with the movie, we talk about what are the solutions. And the solution is what you talk about at the end of every show, which is people have got to get active or you lose the democracy to the corporate powers that be. And, And the good news is... In this 40 years of the corporate coup d'etat, unionization has gone down to next to nothing. It's right. like 10.5%. 6% in yeah. the private sector. Yeah, and when you and I were growing up in Michigan, one out of three wage and salary workers was in the union. That's the bad news. The good news, last year, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, almost a half a million workers engaged in work stoppages, the most in 32 years. Hmm. So there's exciting, obviously, you, young people are fighting on climate change. Uh, Workers are fighting around teachers and nurses and the General Motors, the UAW strikers against General Motors. There's more activism that's class-based that's saying we want a democracy that puts the majority first and not the one percent. And there's a lot of activism and you you don't see it on the mainstream media. You hear about it on independent shows like yours. Yeah. I published an op-ed last week pointing out the the Gillens and Page study from Northwestern and Princeton. Well, back up. The definition of democracy is that the will of the people expressed of representative democracy, the will of the people expressed at the voting box translates into legislation, translates into things happening. And Gillens and Page documented, this was in 2014, documented that that's no longer the case in the United States. The bottom 90%, the, the policies that they favor are actually less likely than random chance to happen. Right. And the policies that are favored by the top 10% are you know, substantially greater than random chance, you know, a right. high probability, double the probability yes. of happening. I mean, the that's Gillen's... not democracy. We've lost <laughs> right. our democracy. We've become an oligarchy. That's what Jimmy Carter said on this show right. back about five years ago. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought up the Gillen study, and I was thrilled. The good news is that in many universities and colleges, in political science classes, they teach that study. That's my daughter was telling me about it when she was a first-year student at Hunter College. But, <laughs> I mean, good. go back before the corporate coup, which started in the late 70s and obviously with Reagan right. in the early 80s. Go back before that, and if you look at uh, from, like, the beginning of World War II for the next 25, 26, 27 years, real income for workers in this country doubled. So what you had was in the 30s and 40s, this great union movements, the socialist movements making demands. And during that 30 year period from late, actually 40 years from late 30s to late 70s, the disparity between rich and poor was shrinking. The middle class was growing. You and I saw it when we were growing up in Michigan. And so what this documentary deals with is what happened beginning in the late 70s and with Reagan in the 80s, where you've had this corporate takeover of our institutions. And in in my opinion, the thing that opened the door for it, the trigger for the whole thing, was Lewis Powell in 1976. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about the Powell memo. In 76, in the Buckley versus Vallejo Mm -hmm. decision, for the first time in the history of the United States, the Supreme Court ruled, and they have no authority to make law under the Constitution, but they literally made law. They, out of nothing, and they ruled that if a billionaire wants to own an individual politician or even multiple politicians or wants to influence policy with his or her money, that money yeah. is their free speech. And then two years later in the First National Bank versus Bellotti decision in 78, they extended that logic to corporations. And that opened in 79 and 1980, the floodgates for billionaire and corporate money to come into the Republican Party who was standing there with their arms wide open saying, please, please, you know, we've been decimated because of Nixon. We'll take anything. Right. But see, I remember in the the great sell off, no doubt about it. And then continue it into the 80s and 90s where the Clintonites within the Democratic Party are getting that money. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that happened in uh, let's see. Clinton was elected in 92. That happened in 1990 when Al Fromm. I mean, I've got the book on the shelf. Al Fromm wrote a book bragging about it. Right. You know, well, that was the Democratic Leadership Council was this right. corporate front within the Democratic Party. And then by the 1990s, we can and we talk about this in our movie. By the 1990s, there was one pro-corporate thing passed with Bill Clinton, the Democrat in the White House, 
and Newt Gingrich, the Republican Speaker of the House, and they're ending welfare as we know it. Right. And bragging they, about it. Yes. And the are getting big government. Right. Is over. They're giving us the but, telecommunications bill, which, you know, which concentrated. Wiped out our media, yeah. Right. Which is and why the, we have all this right wing Deregulation media. of Wall Street. And that was bipartisan. And the money is flowing in from these corporations to yeah. the leadership of both parties, but, the corporate but, Democrats. But the one the thing that, in Bill Clinton's defense and Al Fromm's defense, which makes me cringe, but nonetheless, that we have to I've never heard you say in Al Fromm's defense. Is that these guys were looking at the death of the Democratic Party because the Reagan revolution had destroyed the unions and the unions were representing something like 50% of all the funding for the Democratic Party. So basically they said, okay, we're going to have to get into bed with the devil. This was before the internet. We're going to have to get in bed with the devil. Let's at least pick a devil that's tolerable. Let's get right. in bed with the banks and the insurance companies. Right. They don't poison people or kill right. people. They're and not we'll polluters. The right. right. And we'll let the Republicans <laughs> yeah. have the polluters in the fossil fuel <laughs> yeah. industry. All right. Well, let me just say that you're never going to hear me say in defense of Al Fromm or Bill Clinton, <laughs> but I'm glad you did. In this era, and the movie talks about in this era, there's no excuse. That's right. It's no for, longer necessary. Right. What Biden's doing, you know, he's going to all these high dollar fundraisers. He's, right. They're going to be a super PAC. In the era so of the. Buttigieg. Yes. Oh, no doubt. Mayor Pete, Biden, Klobuchar, they're looking for the big high dollars. You don't have to do that anymore. There's a different way. Bernie showed the way in 2016. Warren and Bernie are showing the way now. AOC showed the way. Yep. Uh, you can be a progressive Democrat, be well funded, beat the Republicans. There's no excuse for being a corporate Democrat. Okay, the, the movie is The Corporate Coup d'Etat. You can learn about it at jeffcohen.org. He's in Portland, Eugene, Ashland, and Florence and Astoria. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archive. Once again, jeffcohen.org. Check it out. Remember Igor and Lev, as uh, Rachel Maddow refers to them, or Lev and Igor? They're these two guys who are the grifters at the core of Trump's whole quid pro quo, his bribery and extortion scheme that he's trying to run against Ukraine, that Trump has been trying to run. And they've been like right at the center of this, and they were arrested as they were trying to flee the country, the country being the United States. Well, Kevin McCarthy has not only received money for his super PAC, his Protect the House PAC from Igor and Lev, he has received money personally from Igor and Lev, according to uh, Marcy Wheeler over at EmptyWheel.net. And he has keynoted an event, Kevin McCarthy, with Lev and Igor. And then Kevin McCarthy comes out and says, this impeachment thing is a scam. And he quotes Alexander Hamilton, right? Right. And by the way, on Monday, Sophia Tesfe over at Alternate, on Monday, the Washington Post published an interview with a Ukrainian diplomat who claimed to have met with Senator Ron Johnson this summer to discuss these conspiracy theories promoted by Trump. Johnson reportedly met with this uh, guy for 30 minutes on the Capitol Hill and then repeated this unsubstantiated claim that the Democrats hacked themselves with the help of the Ukrainians in 2016. Ron Johnson's up to his eyeballs in this. And then here's where it gets amazing. This is, they talk about burying the lead. This is halfway through the article. Political action committees for Republican Senators Mitch McConnell, Marco Rubio, and Lindsey Graham reportedly accepted $7.35 million in contributions from a Ukrainian-born oligarch with close ties to Russian President Vladimir Putin during the 2016 election. And then you got Thune and Kennedy Republican Senators John Thune and John Kennedy blocked a Democratic bill to provide funding for states to shore up election security. The next day, Senator Marsha Blackburn, Republican from Tennessee, quietly blocked three election security bills for the second time this year. What is it that Marsha Blackburn, why is it that Marsha Blackburn does not want you to have safe voting? You have to ask yourself, why is that? And finally, a billionaire has said to his buddies, hey, get over it about Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> this is great. This is from Huffington Post. Billionaire and former Goldman Sachs partner Michael Novogratz urged his rich friends to lighten up about Senator Elizabeth Warren and her plans to impose a wealth tax if she's elected president. In an interview with Bloomberg News, he said to his buddies, you're not victims. You're the richest people in the world. How in God's name do you feel like a victim? It's insanity. They're going to come and get us. No, you're going to get taxed a little more. Lighten up. The way the country's functioning today, the bottom 60% aren't doing well. Warren is speaking to that group. She wants to redistribute. 
People in my world are really, really fearful of her. They don't like her. They're worried about her. They think she's anti-rich. It's a little carried away. He says, Warren's a good politician as well as smart and witty. Amazing. A billionaire supporting Elizabeth Warren. Well, not supporting. I mean, you know, he said he'd rather have a centrist candidate that is, you know, one who takes corporate money. But, you know, what can you say? Anyhow, Jude in Las Vegas. Hey, Jude, what's on your mind today? Thanks for watching us on YouTube. What's up? Tom, it's Judd. Judd, I'm sorry. Oh, you're right. It I've, is Judd. I've called you before, yep. and it's been a while. I really hope that everything works out well, and, you know, we end up with a, hopefully Elizabeth Warren is our next president. But I just wanted to ask you this question, because you've said that if it doesn't go well and he ends up getting reelected, it's, it's all over with, the whole 240 years, whatever we have. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you, you know, there was a Texan talk after he got in from California, and we all know about the crazy Texans that wanted to secede back a decade or whatever ago. But if it really does happen, I wanted to propose Hang California now. Hang on a second, if now, what really does happen? If Trump gets reelected and everything oh. goes down the tubes. Right, and that's kind of the essentially the, the end of democracy in America, right? Right, that, that's what I was saying. So what would you think of California now? Not just California, now stands for Nevada, Oregon, and Washington. Right. And we all secede from Trumpistan. Huh. I don't know if you could pull it off with Nevada, because, you know, the That's Nevada where power... where I live now. I live in Vegas, you know. Yeah, but the Nevada power structure are the billionaire oligarchs who own the casinos. And they're totally oh, in see. with Trump. And they own most of the politicians in the state. I realize, you know, you've got a fairly strong Democratic Party there, but yeah. I think the power center is with the oligarchs. That's not so much the case in California, Oregon, and Washington. Hmm. Interesting. What well, was you know, it? we've got two Democratic senators in Nevada now. We've got a Democratic congressman. Yeah. I was disappointed when he didn't, you know, when they were voting on uh, whether to put all their votes towards the winner on the Electoral College and stuff. Right. And yeah. Steve, the new governor, he declined to do that like other states had. Yeah, that's the fairvote.org um, thing. Where this, yeah. yeah. Is he and a Democrat? Then, yeah, the new governor, Steve uh, Sisolak. Steve Sisolak. I think, it takes, I think it takes a vote of the legislature in order to make that um, happen. So that may be his problem. Are, do you have, are both your houses, the House and Senate, controlled by Democrats, or are they, is one controlled by Republicans? You know, I honestly don't know that. I know my congressperson is a Democrat, and I believe we have two Democratic senators now. With Catherine Cortez Masto and right, that's at the federal the, level. But I'm talking about this at the state right. level. But yeah, yeah, most of us don't yeah, pay I, much I attention don't. to state politics. I couldn't tell yeah. you who my state representative is, which I'm embarrassed to say. But and I need yeah. to look up. But you know, most people just yeah, don't follow you, you, state politics. You, you and me both. Yeah, um, but, but it would be good yeah. to find out. I, you know, I need to do. I need to start reading the Oregonian again and paying attention to this. Although they do terrible coverage of the state legislature. But Judd, that's an idea. Time for secession. If Trump gets reelected. I think if Trump gets reelected, you're going to start hearing conversations like you just started, Judd. Thanks a lot for the call. It's great to hear from you. Bloomberg reports there's an increasing number of people concerned about their wealth due to the fear we may be entering a larger economic crisis than 2008. If you've been paying attention, you know the Dow recently had its sixth largest point loss in history, and the stock market continues to show extreme volatility. Meanwhile, central bank gold purchases have risen to a six-decade high, sending gold prices higher. CNBC and the World Gold Council reports Russia and China are swapping out U.S. dollars from their own portfolios, investing in safer, more liquid assets like gold. And what makes things even more suspicious, the U.S. Federal Reserve reportedly holds the most gold of all central banks. What's everyone getting ready for? If you share the gut feeling that something is soon to go south with the global economy, call my friends at ITM Trading at one own gold Proper gold and silver strategy will help secure your entire wealth portfolio. Call ITM Trading at one own gold Gold. Ask them for their free gold protection guide and secure your wealth while you still can. That's 1-888-OWNGOLD. Emily in Bullhead City, Arizona. Hey, Emily, what's up? I just want to give a shout out to a good Democrat who's running for the Senate in Arizona. Okay, go for it. His name is Mark Kelly. Oh, Former that's uh, what's her name? That's uh, Gabby Gifford's husband. Yes. He's an and astronaut. He is running. Yep. Yep, former astronaut. He's running for McSally's. Oh, he's going to give her a run for her money. 
Well, he's but he's not taking any PAC money, and they've already raised a lot of money against him. The Republican yeah. Party said they're going to stop him in his tracks. So, well, Emily, <laughs> keep us up to date on how that race goes, okay? I will. I, you know, I'm I'm fascinated by it. I don't live in Arizona, so I won't catch all the news, but. But, uh, you know, over the... Well, I just wanted to give a shout out to let other, other people know because of the fact that he's not getting any money. He's only grassroots money. That uh, a lot of people, even in Arizona, don't even know he's running. Right. So, so plug, plug Mark Kelly into your DuckDuckGo search engine. And, uh, you know, if you're inclined, you can toss a few bucks his way. Emily, thank you for the call. Brett in Birdsboro, Pennsylvania. Hey, Brett, what's on your mind? Hi, Tom. I wanted to discuss the issue of the infighting within the Democratic Party and how progressives like you and myself can basically educate the neoliberals that, you know, the policies of Bill Clinton's policies led to Trump and how we the way to beat Trump is to back progressives like Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren. I, I am in agreement with your premise. And by the way, let me point out um, this new New York Times poll. If you take Warren, 22%, Sanders, 19%, the two of them is 41%, and you add Andrew Yang, because I think he's pulling from Sanders uh, more than anybody else, so that takes it to 43%. So 43% of the total Democratic vote right now is with the progressive wing. And then you add up Buttigieg at 18%, Biden at 17%, Klobuchar at 4%, and Harris at 3%. That adds up to 41%. So right now, the three progressives are polling higher than the four so-called moderates. That also doesn't take into account the large appeal Bernie Sanders has among uh, independents as well. And I just want to point out, you know, people like Biden, they expect I'm in my early 30s, like young adults, where a lot of us are progressive. Biden straight up says how he has no empathy for us and what we went through during the Great Recession and how our careers are stifled. So how is that a winning strategy to get the Democratic base out? And how would his campaign running on platitudes and neoliberalisms end up any different than Hillary's? Or personally, I see it being 2004 all over again. Yeah, John Kerry. John Kerry, I mean, expect, by the way, John Kerry was a decorated war veteran. And the principal argument against him by the Republicans was a lie that was promoted by Jerome Corsi. Remember all the Republican congressmen wearing Band-Aids with a purple heart on them? Like, you know, oh, he just had a little nick and he got a purple heart, ridiculing John Kerry's service record. The Republicans will do anything, Brett, whether it's a neoliberal like John Kerry or, you know, Joe Biden, or whether it's a progressive like Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders. They are going to come on the attack viciously. And for some reason, Democrats think that a corporate-friendly neoliberal candidate a Biden or a Klobuchar or a Buttigieg will be more immune or less vulnerable to attacks by Republicans than a genuine progressive like Warren or Sanders. And I, I, and I think that's complete BS. I agree with that as well. I mean, I think this idea that we need a moderate is outdated ideology from the 1990s when establishment centrism was popular and the DLC basically controlled the Democratic Party. But that's right. I'm from the Rust Belt, and I don't think the establishment Democrats take into account two things, that since the 1990s, we have two new generations who are now voting age who weren't in the 90s that they seem to not care about. And I don't see the Rust Belt, which is crucial for any Democrat to win, voting for someone like Biden who voted for NAFTA. Look at how Bernie Sanders basically wiped out Hillary Clinton in Michigan for those reasons in the primary. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm completely with you. But the battle is gonna continue. It's just gonna keep on going because well, you know, because of money and politics, frankly. Jeff in Portland, Oregon, listening on X-Ray FM. Hey, Jeff, what's up? Please allow me to quickly congratulate Liz Warren for unveiling her Medicare for All plan and doing so in a way that beats the naysayers at their own game. Amen. And, uh, you know, presenting it as, a, as an enormous tax cut, I think that's a suggestion Bernie's campaign should definitely take a cue from framing it that way. Yeah, I'm with you. So, Tom, I want to ask you a question about Nancy Pelosi. First, first, let me congratulate her on the handling of the impeachment process so far. She seems to acknowledge, be acknowledging that as the Democratic leadership puts this case against the Trump crime family together, the ultimate jury will be the American people. 
And if the Republicans in the Senate choose to be derelict in their duty to the Constitution, if they want to turn their backs on truth and justice, then we the people will politically bury them in the very near future, hopefully. Hmm. So, but, but my question for you, Tom, is concerning Speaker Pelosi. If, if it's true that, according to reports, she's eager to approve Trump's new version of NAFTA, A, why would she throw him a bone this late in his disastrous so-called presidency, or B, if she really wants to, why not use it as a major bargaining chip to undo such, so much of the damage she's already done? You were talking about the Paris Agreement and so many more issues. This is an issue, I mean, I'm very, very familiar with the whole NAFTA thing and the whole new version of it, which is uh, tilted heavily toward the pharmaceutical industry, but does, on the, you know, on the good side, get rid of these uh, courts that are run by corporations where trade disputes are litigated. So there's an upside to downside to it. But my guess would be if everything you say is true, if she is trying to fast track I saw it. that on the CBC website, the Canadian Broadcasting right. uh, Network. Right. Yeah. Network. Yeah. Um, I would guess that, A, if she can pull this off, it would shut down the Trump talking point about the do-nothing Congress. It would shut down that talking point, even though, you know, they've passed 260 pieces of legislation now that are sitting in, in Mitch McConnell's bottom drawer. Most Americans don't know that. The media does not repeat that. The media doesn't talk about it. When Congress passes good laws, they don't get covered because, you know, the media just spends all the time covering Donald Trump. So it would be a way to, to prove that Congress is actually doing things, number one. Number two, I'm guessing that she would extract a pound of flesh for it. She would say, you know, okay, I'll do this if you'll do that. I don't know what kind of deal she's making, but... You know, she's a consummate dealmaker. I mean, she knows what she's doing. And then finally, it wouldn't surprise me if a lot of members of the Democratic caucus are taking money from the pharmaceutical industry and the pharmaceutical industry is aggressively promoting this thing. And so she's got she's probably getting pressure from her own caucus. Maybe she's even taking money from the pharmaceutical industry. I don't know. But I'm guessing that that's the confluence of variables on that thing. Jeff, does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, those are all very valid points that you raise. It's quite a juxtaposition, though, set against McConnell, McTurtle holding up Merrick Garland's nomination at, at this time in Obama's yeah. presidency. You know, I yeah. mean, there was a year to go with Obama when he did that. And so that just seems a little befuddling. Yeah, that was a crime against democracy. That was it. an absolute crime against yeah. democracy. I get it, Jeff. I completely get it. And We've, we've had this conversation a couple of times with, uh, what's her name, from TradeWatch.org, Laurie Wallach. Thank you, Sean. We'll get back to it. Jeff, thank you for the call. I, I don't have a specific answer for you. I'm sorry. Karen in Greenwood City, Wisconsin. Hey, Karen, thanks for listening to Free Speech TV. What's up? I'm calling to see how one person like Mitch McConnell can have so much power in the Senate to lock out any votes on all the bills that the Democrats have sent. It's the way that the Senate rules are written. The Senate, every new session, the Senate proves their rules, and the rules that they have right now make the Senate Majority Leader very, very, very powerful. And I'm pretty sure that those rules probably go back a long way, probably for most of my lifetime. He's the guy who can, who can be the stopgap. And, you know, it works to the advantage of the Republicans right now because they control the Senate. But if the Democrats take the Senate in the next election, you know, a year from now, then it's going to work to the advantage of the Democrats. Okay. So I'm not, I'm not um, sure I'd blow it up. But, th you know, that, that's what's going on. It's, it's just the Senate rules. Karen, thank you very much for the call. Bruce in Palmdale, California. What's on your mind today? Uh, the injustice that was done to my congressperson, Katie Hill. Yes, by it's the terrible. right-wing scumbags. Yeah, and it turns just, out that the, that the person who released the uh, po photos was working for a Republican politician. Yeah, it's just, you know, 26 years I've lived under corrupt, inept Republican congresspeople. And we finally, you know, we turned the district and these scumbags. I'm sorry, I just... Yeah, no, I agree uh, with you. You know, I... Turns out that the political hack who published her picture, her name was Jennifer Von Lahr. She works at redstate.com, and she also published it over at uh, Daily Mail. That uh, And neither publication pointed out that she, uh, and then she, she encouraged people to learn more about Republican candidate Mike Garcia on social media. Right, and, the, and in a tweet she said, let's flip Hill's seat. This was a hit job, Bruce. It was a hit job. Katie Hill, Katie Hill got, got whacked, and this is wrong. Thank you, Bruce, for the call. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. Call 202-808-9925. 
And meanwhile, we can't get a rapist out of the White House. I mean, you know, it, it all adds up. Coming up on the holidays, good time to lose weight. Up until last year, I'd never endorsed a weight loss product, but I decided to change that after reading about university research into a molecule in olive oil that regulates appetite. Louise convinced me there was one that was worth sharing, and a year later, I have to say she was right. She said that once her appetite and cravings were under control, losing weight was easy, and she's kept it off. And my producer, Sean, was so impressed with Louise's results that she's trying Ridgizone, too. Sean wants to lose a little weight before the holidays, and she says Ridgizone is the easiest diet supplement she's ever used. One capsule with breakfast, and just forget it. No jitters, no hunger, no wild food cravings. Sean says meals are no longer a battle not to overeat. She feels full faster and has reduced portion sizes accordingly. She also says she feels full longer, so no more grazing between meals either. The only ingredient in Ridgizone occurs naturally in the body and is completely non-stimulant. That really appealed to both Louise and Sean. Listen, if you're looking to lose weight this season, I strongly suggest you give non-prescription Riduzone a try. Use the promo code TOM, T-H-O-M, and receive up to 65% off plus free shipping. Go to Riduzone.com. That's R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E.com. Riduzone.com. R-I-D-U-Zone.com. Code, promo code TOM. Riduzone.com. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Jake in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. Hey, Jake, what's on your mind today? A couple weeks ago, I think it was, you were talking about how you'd read a book about the collapse of the Roman Empire. Am I remembering that right? Yes. I have it at home. Well, I've studied the Roman Empire quite a bit, and I was interested in what you'd think about this. So one of the ways that Julius Caesar came to power and stayed in power was by appealing to what the common people, the plebeians in ancient Rome, wanted. They wanted land reform. They wanted economic reform. And most importantly, they wanted an end to the constant civil wars that were happening in Rome at the time between these powerful oligarchs. So I was wondering, what do you think if somebody came to power in the United States and said, we're going to do Medicare for all, we're going to get out of all these crazy wars, we're going to do fair trade deals with all the other countries, just do rational reform in this country, but in exchange, that person, that political figure becomes a dictator. What do you think about that? It's a tough one. This is what Hitler did. You know, when Hitler came to power, the economy of Germany was in shambles, in part because of World War I, in part because of the Great Depression, and in part because the Treaty of Versailles had imposed these punishing reparations payments on Germany for rebuilding Belgium and Holland and the other countries that they'd invaded. And Hitler did a couple of things. The main one was uh, building the Autobahn, starting the production of the Volkswagen. He built a German car industry from scratch, essentially. And he built this interstate highway system, and then he, he just really, really super-juiced the military-industrial complex of Germany, the defense industry. And he gave everybody health care. I mean, everybody already had health care because Germany had started the single-payer health care system back in the 1880s. But Hitler strengthened that. That's why, by 1936, he was on the cover of Time magazine as one of the most popular politicians in the world. And he was certainly the most popular politician in German history at that point in time. And which is why in 37, he felt safe to do the Anschluss, you know, to invade, to take a piece of Austria. And then, uh, you know, in late 1937, to invade Poland. So, you know, it's not inconceivable, Jake. It, it would, it, the, the one thing that I think would prevent it is, well, the two things that I think would prevent it would be that we've seen that movie before now. And, I mean, that, that's kind of what Donald Trump was promising, you'll recall. When he was running for president, he said, I'm going to give, you, I'm going to give everybody in America health care. It's going to be better than Obamacare, and it's going to cost less. Well, that's what Elizabeth Warren just proposed. He didn't say how he was going to do it. But he said, everybody's going to get health care. He said, everybody's going to have a job. We're going to strengthen the social safety net. Remember that time uh, during the debate, he stood up on the stage and he said, every one of these Republicans up here wants to cut Medicare and Social Security. I'm going to preserve it and strengthen it. I'm the only one who will say that. That was the moment, I think, when a lot of people in the middle just said, hey, I'm voting for Donald Trump. So could see a, a right-wing populist coming to power on those, on those issues. Whether they could execute or not is difficult because the Republican Party is so owned by these big industries. But it's an interesting thought experiment. Jake, thanks for the call. It's a fascinating thought experiment, in fact. Fred Flintstone just got an email from Donald Trump. At the very top, it says, impeachment resolution vote results. 
Radical Democrats, 231, and two saying no. And Republicans, 0 yes, 194 no. Now, what this says to me is that the Republican Party is wholly owned by the billionaire class and that Donald Trump is giving them everything they want. And they don't care if he's a racist, a misogynist, an orange buffoon. They just want their damn tax cuts and their deregulation. And they want to be able to buy public lands for a penny and they want to be able to keep on polluting. And Donald Trump is doing and, and they don't want their taxes audited. So please, you know, cut the funding for the IRS. The, the Donald Trump has done all those things for them. And in fact, he's even proposing a new tax cut for them. But in any case, the email says, Fred, Democrats know I've done nothing wrong, but they are trying to take us down. That's why 231 Democrats voted to continue this hoax, capital H, and formalize the impeachment probe, capital P. This impeachment nonsense is just a, con a continuation of the witch hunt hoax, which has been going on since before I even got elected. They hate me, Fred, and most of all, they hate you, Fred. Now, this is really interesting. Keep in mind, Donald Trump lost the popular election by 3 million votes. 3 million more people voted for Hillary Clinton than for Donald Trump in the election of 2016. But Donald Trump goes on, they hate the idea of you being in charge of our country. They want to erase your vote like it never existed. They want to erase, the word erase is in all caps. They want to erase your voice and they want to erase your future. Now, this is how dictators and strong men talk. This is not how politicians in America talk. This is really dangerous rhetoric. This is telling average voters who have bought into the Trump thing that the Democrats hate them and that the Democrats are trying to erase them. This is how Hitler talked about Jews in the 1930s and gypsies. This is how Orban talks about Jews and George Soros right now in Hungary. This is how Duterte talked about the opposition political parties. They hate the idea of you being in charge of our country. They want to erase your vote like it never existed. They want to erase your voice and they want to erase your future. And then he goes on, today is the last day of the month and with only three hours left before the deadline, we're still critically short of our goal. Previously, a group of donors had agreed to triple match all contributions, but with this impeachment news, I've authorized something we've never done before. All donations before made before midnight tonight will be instantly five times matched. Note, if you've saved your payment information, your donation will go through immediately. Contribute $42 before midnight tonight and your contribution will be five times matched. And then it's got my email address and says Fred Flintstone, account number, <laughs> deadline, midnight tonight, five-time match, not used. It's a fundraising pitch, but it's also, this is also the kind of stuff that creates hatred and political violence. This is actually dangerous stuff. It's just incredible, just incredible. Martha in Port Charlotte, Florida. Hey, Martha, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. I was wondering, do you know the three Republicans and the one Democrat that did not vote in the impeachment inquiry? Here it is. It was Jody Heiss, from, uh, Republican from Georgia's 10th District, John Rose, Republican from Tennessee's 6th District, William Timmons, Republican from South Carolina's 4th District, and Donald McEachin, a Democrat from Virginia's 4th District. And let me just add the caveat that, you know, pretty much every vote, there are a few people who don't show up. They have family events, they have previous commitments, they're sick. You've got pushing a little over 400 people. I think it's 435 people. And odds are, when you have that many people, that somebody's got the flu. Heiss had a funeral. His father had died. John Rose had a family emergency. Timmons was on National Guard duty, and McEachin was sick. And, you know, I said, out of 435 people, you're going to have a few people who have these kind of crises or who just have the flu. And it turned out that that was the case. So, you know, please don't hold it against any of them. I'm sure that had those situations not been the case, they would have done it, right? So it doesn't mean that these people are, that those people are necessarily, um, you know, malefactors. <laughs> but I got another question okay. or a suggestion. How about if we could do some type of fact-checking 
on Trump's lies and his crazy tweets and everything that could run at the bottom of your show constantly, the 12,000, uh, over 12,000 Oh, lies. you're watching us on TV. <laughs> you want to well, crawl. It's called a crawl. The, 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 the little, oh, you know, okay. the little yeah, news ticker thing. runner of what yeah. he's costing us taxpayers. You know, all the wonderful things that he does for our country that are... Yeah. Wouldn't, that, wouldn't that be a hoot? We don't have the, frankly, financial resources to do that here right now. You know, Nowhere on free speech? Nowhere on any station on, of free speech? Yeah, no, well, it would have to be generated here. Uh, you know, that's something, oh, okay. although that's something the Free Speech TV could probably insert on all of their shows, but you'd have to take that up with Free Speech TV. But it's, it's an interesting idea. Thank you for the call. Tim in Seattle. Hey, Tim, what's up? I'd like to talk to you today about a little-known provision in the SECURE Act that passed the House in May. And is being sat on by Mitch McConnell in the Senate, yeah. Yes, and, and that's probably not a bad thing from this one perspective. There's a, the, the SECURE Act basically um, takes um, inherited uh, IRAs and taxes them at 10% per year for the first 10 years after you inherit your parents' IRA or whatever. Why not just so, cash it out in the first year and pay the 10%? Well, no, I mean, no. it was pre-tax money to begin with. Right. But the difference is that the current system, there's a formula involved. If you inherit money, say your parents die when you're 20 years old, and they leave you a million dollars, just as a round number, then you are forced to take 16000 of that million dollars and pay tax on it at 36% of where the top rate is right. at, at 20. So what you have left to invest and save to buy a house, whatever, you've got $984,000. Well, if you keep it in the IRA, then it's going to continue to be taxed. But if you cash it out of the IRA, then you're just paying taxes as if you had income. I mean, what's wrong with taxing inherited wealth as income? That's what it is. Well, uh, the what's wrong is the current system uses a formula that forces inheritors to take inherited IRAs at a three to four percent per year rate, which means you can leave you can leave that money untouched, and you don't have to. You're not forced to. So you're saying basically this is this is a problem for somebody who inherits a, 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 an IRA and they have a high enough income that they're paying a high tax rate. It affects anybody who inherits an IRA, and right. I say that it prevents the intergenerational transfer of wealth in the middle class. Interesting. And it's just something that people should it's something that people should look at. Call your congressman and ask why they're doing this. Okay, let me, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know what you're, you know, the specifics of what you're talking about here, Tim. I need to look into it a little more before I can endorse your call. But, you know, I'll check it out. Tim, thanks for the call. Welcome back. Tom Harmon here with you. And uh, Tom in Temecula, California. Hey, Tom, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. Uh, first of all, congratulations on your new book. Thank you. I wanted to uh, know how it feels to have written more books than Donald Trump has read in this lifetime. <laughs> it feels pretty good. Okay, What's to up, follow Tom? up on a, an earlier caller about the in, inheritance tax, which they like to call the death tax, right. I think we, the Democrats should repurpose that and uh, call it the lottery tax. It's, uh, as you put it, the sperm lottery. So they should be taxed at the same rate as you or I would if we won the uh, <clears throat> uh, Powerball. Yeah. Yeah, you know, actually, yes, because it's, uh, you know, I, I refer to those people as members of the Lucky Sperm Club. You're absolutely right. That's a good one, Tom. I love that messaging. Thank you for that. Jim, listening on WBAI in Brick Township, New Jersey. Hey, Jim, what's up? We've been hearing Warren emphasizing she's a capitalist, and I would say that in Europe, the Germans and, and the Northern Europeans often subscribe to what is uh, called Rhenish capitalism which has a social dynamic in it, not just market dynamics. Hmm. 
I urge everyone to I, look It's at a it. phrase I'm but not my, familiar with. My point, you know, uh, uh, Pelosi's been using the phrase of Tom Paine, the Times have found us. Yes. And the Although I couldn't, I, I went looking for that in Tom Paine's literature writings <laughs> the other day, and I couldn't find it, but I still like okay. it. Okay. Well, I didn't look it up either, but I like the uh, Federalist paper, if anybody reads that. I mean, that, it certainly is caught up. I mean, number 68 is speaking to now. It, it, Hamilton had a fear, a concern of a creature of popularity and foreign influence becoming the magistrate or president, and that's where we're at. I suggest, and I, I'm more in the camp, uh, I'm not a uh, subscriber to the celebrity culture, but it, when, you know, we, we've unfortunately had the uh, Electoral College become just a rubber stamp and uh, anonymous members up until the last 16 years. And uh, who are these people? You, well, you're voting for them. We're a representational republic, not a true democracy. Why don't we have a celebrity culture where, you know, if Cardi B or Alec Baldwin, make them the delegates. <laughs> I love it. Uh, you know, yeah, there you go. Tell your friends about progressive media. However you're getting this show, you need to tell people about it. If, if you're getting on a commercial radio station, tell the advertisers you appreciate it. And don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires you. Get out there, get active, tag your it. And be sure to go to jeffcohen.org and check out this new movie, You've The Corporate Coup listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit tomhartman.com. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.